Welcome to Grading the Nutmeg, the podcast of Connecticut history. Brought to you by the state historian at UConn Hartford and Connecticut Explored, the magazine of Connecticut history. I'm Walt Woodward. Hungry? Well, if you're not hungry right now, you're about to be. Because in a minute, you're going to join me, New Haven native Betsy Golden Kellum, and food historian Colin M. Kaplan at Modern A Pizza in New Haven for a lunchtime lesson in the history of New Haven pizza. Pizza New Haven style has a taste all its own, and it's famous across America. A magnet that draws wrap-around-the-block weekend crowds to New Haven's Pizza Trinity and celebrities and politicians from the world over. We'll hear the fascinating story behind New Haven's world-class pizza reputation, and you'll join me for my first-ever bite of this fab food coming up right now on Grading the Nutmeg. Tough podcaster duty today. I am sitting in a booth at the famous Modern A Pizza in New Haven with a man who knows more about pizza in New Haven than any other person on the planet, Colin M. Kaplan. The M stands for manja, right? (laughs) Yeah, or modern. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Colin is a New Haven native. He's an architectural designer, a historian, an author, tour operator, and a pizza guru. He graduated with a master's in architecture from Tulane. He worked under a number of notable architecture firms. And then he started doing other things, too. He's the founder of Taste of New Haven Culinary Tours and Events and the author of Pizza in New Haven, a project for which, Kaplan, I know you spent countless hours researching, writing, interviewing, studying, and eating pizza, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I even had to go to Italy to research. It's horrible, yeah, horrible. Tough job, <laughs> isn't it? And to help me interview Colin, I, this is really going to be fun. I recruited a friend, New Haven native, attorney, historian, and author of the blog Drinks with Dead People. That's right, Drinks with Dead People. It's fantastic. Betsy Golden Kellum. You hungry, Betsy? Always. All right. Well, you've come to the right place. So, Colin, you have something special before you here. What you have is a New Haven pizza newbie. This is my first time in a New Haven pizza restaurant. Oh, my God. Where's the priest? And you (laughs) Back in the kitchen, I hope. And a person who's so into New Haven pizza, she had pizza truck at her wedding rehearsal dinner. So you couldn't get to more different ranges of experience here. And we've come to podcast our way through lunch talking about the history of pizza in New Haven. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. My stomach's ready. Folks, you're going to get the whole thing. You're going to get the bites. You're going to get the order. You'll get everything. So let's start with a newbie question. What's with the misspelled? I've seen three different pizza places in New Haven, and they all misspell the name. They've got an A before pizza. Is it a pizza? Well, I wasn't good. I figured out why. They did this so they could get the first name in the phone book in the restaurant. Triple A, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't going to try and correct you, but you you pronounced it wrong. What did I? Well, it's actually ah, pizza, it's, it's ah beats. And you have to kind of use your hand when you say it. It makes it flow better. So, uh, try this. Ah beats. Ah beats. There you go. All right, let me Now you can't see my <laughs> hand, but this is with a flourish. I've got I've made a ring of my thumb and first finger and 
Uh, beats. Uh, beats. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you did it real well. Uh, so, so here's the mystery about it. Why is it spelled differently? Why is it pronounced differently? And it does take us back into history. People have to understand that Italy was once many different city-states. There was not one country, and there was not one language and not one culture. And the Florentian Italian that we all come to know as the beautiful language of Italian was not actually spoken where pizza was made. So that was one of my questions. Is pizza Italian or American? Did it actually originate in Italy? It certainly did. You could even argue that pizza originated in the Middle East as a flatbread. But the name has transferred from, say, pita um, and other names like uh, the Turkish food pide and has made its way to Italy. How fascinating. And so there's different theories on how the word came about. But in Florentian Italian, the word for pie would be pizza. I may be assuming this, but it sounds like Florentine Italians don't say a So where did pizza come from? Sure. So Naples is where they spoke a different language called Nabolitan, which was derivative of Latin, just like Latin and Italian are related. And in Nabolitan, the word instead of pizza or la pizza, you'd say the uh, preposition first, um, which is the formal way of saying things. The Nabolitans would say, ah, so not la, but ah, and instead of lo, they'd say oh. So, so those, it's, a, it's a regional dialect. It, it's sort of a dialect, but not a dialect in a sense that it, it developed separately yeah. from Italian itself. So you can almost say it's its own language, and people are trying to resurrect it, and, and Italy will not you know, acknowledge that it's a separate language. It's a dying language. Um, so this is Napoleon, though. It's exactly. Okay, yeah. So yeah. it's more south of Rome. It's definitely south of Rome. It's the area of Campania, um, and uh, it's it's still spoken there uh, within families. And these Italians who came to New Haven 140 years okay, ago. Okay, so that's the connection, right? The, that people from Napoleon or people from the Naples region came to New Haven. They came to New Haven. They came to New York. They came all over. The question is, is why did we in New Haven end up with the word abits and nowhere else seems to have it? That's the well, fun part. Yeah, why is that? Um, well, part of it is because of the concentration of Italians from one region that came to New Haven, specifically from uh, Amalfi and the Amalfi Coast, Benevento and other areas, uh, the north coast of Sorrento there. And that area, you know, it saturated New Haven with Italians. In fact, one of the cool historic facts is to obviously go through records like census records. And they indicated in 1910 that New Haven had the largest Italian population per capita of any city in America recorded. New Haven, throughout the early 20th century, it had a very large percentage of Italian-born residents, right? Absolutely. Italian-born, um, also having one or two parents of Italian birth, so of Italian heritage, it was also the most. And those were the most common of any type of ethnicity in New Haven, too. So it became, like, prevalent. And the word abits, they didn't know pizza. They only knew abits. So that, that's that's kind of why it, it stuck. So if I remember my history right, the, the large waves of Southern and Eastern Europeans coming to America were in the 1880s, 90s, early 20th century. So I would assume that's when Abitz showed up in New Haven? Was even, even earlier, because what happened in Italy in 1861 when Garibaldi combined the countries, he, he got sick and died, <clears throat> and the North ruled the South kind of like after the Civil War in our country. And so Italians started coming to America and Argentina and many other countries throughout the world, starting in the 1870s, really. 
um, 60s and 70s, but mostly in the 1870s. And, and New Haven had this very interesting uh, industrial history where the head of a factory, Sargent, which is still here, owned by Asa Abloy, J.B. Sargent married as his second wife an Italian-born woman named Florence von Karajan. And she convinced her husband in 1878 to bring over Italians. So he... Well, he, he it became a stake-driving thing. There was work in New Haven, and there was somebody who welcomed Italian workers, so people began to migrate. Yep, huh? absolutely. And he wasn't the only one. Um, L Candy Rubber Company, Charles Goodyear's first rubber patent ever used, uh, was also inviting Italians over to work in this wonderful rubber company. What a wonderful job that must have been. <laughs> So pizza shops opened in the 1880s in New Haven? Well, we don't have records of that. So we have to look at records to obviously make fundamental decisions on, hey, did this happen? Um, we don't know. Um, the first record of an Italian baker in New Haven was listed in a city directory in 1890. Doesn't mean that there was not an Italian baker before then, but... He but wasn't, that's where you have the evidence. That that's the evidence that somebody was baking bread, possibly pizza. We just don't know. Even the word abiz or pizza was not, pro or pizzeria, was not used in New Haven in any record that we know of, you know, written down until much later. But you're convinced from your research that people were actually buying a beat somewhere and eating it somewhere in the 1880s and 90s? There, there's no doubt in my mind that by the 1890s there was pizza available for sale. The question is, is, is was it, it was more than bread. Bread was a staple. You had to have bread in every Italian meal. You know, bread, pasta, you know, things like that. But pizza would have been this extra. Pizza is something that they had at home that they could get at, at the pizzeria that was specifically designed for that purpose. To do it here, they had to have a few extra ingredients, and they had to have time to do it, and they had to have you know the clientele saying, "Hey, we want to come to your place," and we we just don't see evidence of that. Yeah. Uh, what does help is photographic evidence, oral history, um, and just the understanding of how business develops. I mean, how does this work? It doesn't just show sure. up. So, so, is this kind of a sense of how pizza develops? It's an outgrowth of the bakery business, not necessarily something people are doing on their own at first? In New Haven, it certainly was the outgrowth of the bakery. If I understand it right, it's the oven that is at the heart of making good pizza or good abits or whatever, right? So did bakeries need these ovens or was that a specialty just for the pizza? So the oven is huge, obviously. They're huge in size. They're huge in, you know, the, the desire to have the kind of pizza you want. The coke-fired ovens would be the way to make a proper um, sort of Neapolitan trans transitional pie to America. However, we have evidence of things known as grandma pie, and other types of pies that were made in a tray and could be made in, in a conventional um, oven of some sort, whether it was coal or, or oil or some other, you know, heat, and they could be made at home on a tray. And that most families seem to have some grandma or mom that was making these these pressed dough trays with so, sauce on it. So is it your sense that the grandma pie preceded the... Abits? Not necessarily in that case. Um, I would say the grandma pies were in lieu of the abits because they didn't have the opportunity to make those beautiful pies in those ovens because they were busy making bread. And it was much easier just to make it at home. So these are things that we see happen at carnivals um, in the suburbs, you know, where farming communities where they didn't have the big ovens. Uh, and the big ovens here, it took a while for them to finally even own one of these ovens. So 
I'm, I'm assuming by 1890, the first baker recorded that he had a large coke-fired oven, but we just don't know for sure. Uh, how else would he have made all that bread, perhaps? But those ovens were only used for making pizza. Those ovens would not only have been used for making pizza. These were actually originally designed as, mostly as French bread ovens, and they would have been very long, wide interiors designed for bread. Yeah. And if you look at nearly every historic pizzeria in America now, they have a French bread oven, as or, or started with a French bread oven, because that's all that was available. There was no pizza oven. Yeah. Pizza ovens would have been custom made in Italy by so, you know years of doing this, and and that was that was something that uh, that they just couldn't import. You know that expertise. Yeah. Let me let me just review the bidding because as a historian, I want to try to follow this sort of chronological arc. So, pizza comes with the first Southern Italian immigrants to New Haven. Does New Haven immediately become a pizza town? Um, no way. No. Um, New Haven was a burger town. New Haven was a sandwich town. Louis, right? Sure. Uh, New, New Haven was a town that made pasta even before Italians got involved. They were making pasta here, <clears throat> calling it macaroni. Macaroni. Yeah. So <clears throat> New Haven was, was not immediately a pizza town, but what was being realized was that this ethnic food called abits was becoming more available to not just Italians in the by the first cent, uh, quarter of the of the 20th century. So in that time period, that commercialization of sort of the bakery became made it made it more available. So originally, this is just a food that's made for Italian immigrants. It is you know the the uh, old time Yankees haven't discovered pizza in these early years? O- almost wholly in in New Haven. That's that it was an Italian ethnic food, and they would have they would have looked at it and said, "What is that?" Why? What's this guy doing with his hands? Why That's is he what eating? The Yankees would have said, "Yeah." What's the it? Yankees would have, done, and they do. We have quotes about it. There's a quote uh, I found in a great article about a guy helping to build the Yale golf course, uh, Tompkins Memorial, mm-hmm. in the 20s, and he described the older Italian gentleman who was also helping to dig and build, and uh, and he brought this dish out of a, a some sort of wrapped paper and opened it up, and voila, there was some sort of pizza. And it was his first experience seeing a pizza, and he was just like, "What is that? <laughs> what? What's happening here?" <laughs> did, did the pizzas? Did the early ones have lots of different ingredients? Could you order what you wanted, or was there just no you know, way, no, no way. way? What nope. was it? It was uh, tomato pie. Tomato pie is tomato pie is literally what we call a sauce, and no no mozzarella. So really? it's it's, so just, it's a, just the bread and the and sauce, sauce and some grated Romano cheese, which could come in a wheel. You don't have to refrigerate it. It's it's an aged cheese. So the original pie was what in, in Italy essentially you might call a marinara, and here we call it plain. Yeah, it's the original. And then um, I mentioned anchovies because that was the variety. that was the first topping you could get. Really, was a little bit of protein in a in a came in a can. You know, early toppings: onions, um, garlic, bacon. Things that were cured, um, aged, dried, something that literally could come in, in like a sausage or, you know, that's an early topping as well. So those are those are early toppings, but truthfully, no one could afford them. Got it. So, so people, they would just order a tomato pie. Can we order some lunch? We're, we're yeah, I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah. We, no, we want the whole experience. <laughs> I was hoping there was some way to like just get the pizza going. So tell us your name. Adam. Adam. Thank you for being here. We are so hungry, and this is my first time at, yeah, at Modern, so I am very excited. Adam, how long have you been working at Modern? 23 years. It's awesome. You might make a career out of this. We'll see how it goes. <laughs>
So I'm I am putty in your hands. I don't know what to order. I, Do you eat everything other than anchovies? Yeah. Okay. All right. Then I think we should order a New Haven plain. Yes. With a little garlic on it. Excellent. Um, and we'll Sauce do cheese yeah. And garlic? We'll do all smalls so yeah. that you know can really feel it out. And I th I would suggest that to um, people at home or in the car wherever you are. I would also suggest the mozzarella pie. Absolutely. All right. I'm, probably, I'm this in. is probably the point where we do the public service announcement, though. Maybe don't eat the pizza in your car. Don't eat the pizza in your car, and don't make phone calls without a Bluetooth in your car. All right, so, so we got tomato pie. We got mozz. Okay, so then we're gonna. Have, I would suggest that if you're at Modern, you're gonna get the specialty pie, which is what we do on our on our pizza lovers tour when we show off all the pizza places that we love. We I would get an Italian bomb. Uh, yes, I want one. What is it? <laughs> oh, what is it not? Well, it's a pie with meat and vegetables, cheese and sauce. <laughs> it's got what seven seven vegetables and six meats or something like that. It's great. It's it equals itself out, so it's very healthy. Okay, I'm in. Um, and then you know, if you have room to take some pizza home with you, I might suggest perhaps one more. New Haven's known for the white clam pie. You know, the clams, no sauce, a white pie. That's how we do that. Clam it is. Because we've got the Italian bombs, and I can you experience it. a couple different. Yeah, good idea. I feel like I'm in a strange land. This is wonderful. You are. Southern Connecticut. <laughs> so you, you brought up the white clam, and I may be jumping out of the historical continuum here, but I've lived in or near New Haven most of my life, and when you say abits, I mm. think of three things. I think of the tomato pie, the white clam, and then kind of the more modern invention, the mashed potato and bacon. Mm. So what do you think of kind of each of these is where they fit in the, the abits sure. ecosystem? Well, so to me, like... Growing up on pizza in New Haven, I'm from New Haven, born and raised, grew, had pizza when I was a baby. There's no doubt about it. Um, I My fifth birthday party, I got pizza there. It was filmed. Um, these are these are important things. And pizza to me was basic. It was mozzarella. And I actually discovered probably plain later because my parents didn't think that I would just want a tomato pie. So to me, I like the, the crust, the sauce, and the cheese. Beyond that, you start getting into some crazy territory. I mean, every, everyone around the world is doing crazy things on pizza. New Haven, people would say putting clams on pizza is crazy. Um, they might say that putting mashed potatoes on pizza is crazy or every other Mashed potatoes? Mashed, mashed potatoes. and bacon. Actually, people might say that putting potatoes, period, on pizza is crazy, but it's actually very common in different restaurants to have a different version of a potato pie. So, Do they make that here? They, they do not make the mashed potatoes here. Okay. That's that was a specifically designed at a place called Bar. Bar. bar yeah. opened, I've, I've heard of Bar. Yeah, yeah. Bar opened in the 1990s, it's, um, yeah, and that became kind of bar. Their... If I, I, you know, I talk to people about this podcast because I got excited thinking all the great food. There are, I know there are many great pizza places in New Haven. But there are like four major places, right? Well, we, there's three. We call them the Trinity. Them, them's fighting words, well. Yeah, I mean, look, it, I, I have, I, I think pizza is like religion. There's three that are called the Trinity. Yep. They're historic. They're the top-rated pizzerias in the country. Like and they are. They're Pepe's, Sally's, and Modern. There you go. And, and yep. And okay. period. And that's it. And then there's everybody else, but. Somebody, I mean, there are a lot of people who I have heard them talk about, maybe it's a deacon, uh, bar? Is well, a so then there's the, so those three being the most historic and the highest rated 
as a trinity, they're a great talking point. They're easy. You know, yeah. you got an outsider coming yeah. into town. Where you should you go? Here's where you, this is the place sure. you should go to. But the the other stuff, these are the ones that you, you got to know is just about every other pie below those. Like if they're going on the tier of the list, they're going to be the best pizza you've ever had. So I grew up on Ernie's Pizzeria yeah, and in, Westfield, in right? Westville, and that's to me is is right there. Zoo Parties in West Haven, Mike's in West Haven. Um, there's a there's a guy making pizza here in a wood fired oven. Uh, it's called Pizza at the Brick Oven, and there's bar and. So all of these traditions... So what you're saying is there's no bad pizza. There are variants, but there's the trinity that is kind of the... Well, I would say that the, the 1 to 10 is amazing. Yeah. You will not, hardly find me eating pizza outside of my top 10 list. <laughs> so there, there really is pizza I don't want to have. Got it. I, I don't want to wear a shirt that says Colin eats all the pizza. Right. I don't want to eat all the pizza. I'm a pizza snob. There you Let's go. Let's get that clear. So, I am also a pizza snob. Well, I couldn't be in better company. But tell me, what makes a New Haven pizza a New Haven pizza? Because I know New Haven pizza is thin crust, but so is New York, right? And Chicago is deep dish. So yeah, New York is, is New York is variable. Variable. Yeah, you could have the Sicilian pie there, and people li- grow up on Ray's or Spumoni Gardens, and they got the thick pies. Got it. You got know, it. so I, I, New York's funny. It's tricky. Mm. It's bigger. It's got more going on. So all pizza in New Haven is thin crust. But Basically, that, yeah. New, New Haven style. My, my question for you, though, how do you feel about your pizza being a little charred? I, I have no opinion one way or the other. If it stays in too long, that's okay, yeah. too. Embrace the burn. Is that part of a New Haven pizza? Um, yeah, if your fingers don't have bits and pieces of coal and char and, like, crust that's been nicely, like, just cooked, well-cooked, well-done, yeah. yeah. then you haven't really had the New Haven pizza experience. Got it. So it's a it's a well-done pizza crust. Absolutely. And, and, and anyone who calls it burnt really doesn't have to wait in line for New Haven-style pizza. <laughs> they can go to their hometown pizza hut. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that, but that's that's my opinion. So is that? <laughs> well, I mean, it's nice that you brought this up, Betsy. Is that the thing that makes a New Haven pizza a beats, a beats? So there's many things. I think Betsy's hitting on it though. Um, it's definitely charred crust. Yep. Thin crust. Yep. Um, little crunch, little chew. Yep. 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 There's a sort of there's a, a perfection so in what's happening. So it's crunchy on the outside, chewy on the top, right? It's or, chewy in the middle there, right in the middle of that, yeah. that crust when yeah. you're going to pull on it. So you're going to have the crunch, you're going to have the chew, and then there's even sometimes you know you'll get a little sponginess because it's a bread, and bread has that pull, and so that that whole experience is the most important part about a pizza in 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 my book. I'm going to have fun watching you guys eat this pizza. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Because yeah. one of those pies is entirely mine. So we will work it out. <laughs> I'm already getting, I'm like, I'm so hungry that. <laughs> if there's more, we'll order more. You you get to eat till you are completely safe. They don't we close will. until like 11, so we're fine. And I'm sure this we can good. hire a forklift. Uh, I may need it to get out to my anchovy farm. Uh, all right. Italians come from southern Italy. They bring a tradition of making abits, which is a tomato pie, and they sell it to other Italians. And this is coming out of bakeries. Yes. So when do pizza shops show up? When when does you know when does pizza come out of the oven and 
front and center, front stage? Right. That's a good question. Um, you know, the bakery being where pizza was made would act as kind of the, the commissary in a way. So they would deliver pizza. And pizza was delivered to the factories. It was delivered on the street. It was delivered to the produce markets around town. So it became a delivered item. And then your question is very interesting. When is this this idea of the, hey, let's go sit at a booth at a pizzeria and have, you know, sodas and beer. Yeah. When did that happen? And, and, the, and it's interesting. In New Haven, we believe it happened probably at some point by the teens, the 19s. Um, we have evidence of pizzerias opening in 1915, 1916 that had the word pizzeria napoletana on the front of the pizza place, which was also a bakery in the back. And they probably had seating. Um, some of these stories are both oral history there's records of bakeries being open but they don't tell you oh they've got four booths and you know now are these being opened by the trinity families the you no know? these are families you've never heard of and uh and these are these are people like um uh francesco scalzo who was considered to be one of the first uh pizzeria owners in new haven also a baker and uh, a guy named uh ignazio campasano whose pizzeria was was existing for, for 60 years and people had so much clout about it that they thought, you know, he had to record in 1944 in the, in the, in the telephone directory that he was the oldest abits maker in New Haven. He had to say it because people were challenging him. Already by the 1940s, there's a deep New Haven abits tradition that people are fighting oh, for. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, Pepe, Frank Pepe, as we all know, is a very big name in pizza in New Haven. In the, well, in, we know the, about Pepe up in Hartford because he's got a he's got a shop, two of them. Of actually, course, up in our end. Oh, of course, yeah. You've got a, you've got thirteen locations about to be right all yeah. around the Northeast. So Pepe started out as a bakery. Um, in fact, his brother was a baker in New Haven, separate. Uh, he worked for a larger bakery and then finally opened on his own in 1925. And these are the backyard bakeries. You know, somebody lived up in the front. Somebody had a backyard bakery. He had to drive a little cart down an alley and go into the street, and he would actually peddle his pizza on the street. You know, I, I was wondering, the, the, because I'm thinking of Im immigrant people coming and you know, struggling to get a foothold at the time. I'm assuming that buying a, a tomato pie was a relatively inexpensive lunch or something for someone. But running one of those big ovens, keeping it hot enough to burn the crust all the time, had to be really expensive, right? Is it? You know, these are good questions. The, we had a Coke manufacturing plant in New Haven, one of six on the East Coast. And the Copper's Coke uh, Company made it so that Coke, which was just a byproduct of making natural gas, was as cheap as anything. You could literally, they, they were selling it to restaurants and bakeries and households. So they wanted you to burn it. And it was very, very, you'd call it dirt cheap. Yeah. So yeah. the the burning the ovens was not the hard part. The hard part was most likely the other ingredients, you know, getting cans of the tomato direct from Italy, um, buying a wheel of cheese. Um, you know, those other ingredients would have been an extra step. And there happened to be another Pepe in New Haven, um, Antonio Pepe, who had a, a import company in the Hill neighborhood and brought in his own uh, labeled olive oil and his own canned tomatoes. And those were actually being used uh, by Frank Pepe's early 
pizzeria. Oh, that's interesting. So he was he was selling them to Frank, or yeah, he was buying them from the wholesaler. Like today, you might go to uh, a, a company around here, Liuzzi Imports in Hamden and North Haven, and makes their own cheese. But they import. Uh, you've got uh, other companies like uh, Napoli out of Cheshire, which yeah. imports lots and lots of Italian goods. It's the same idea. Like somebody's got to bring it into the country, yeah. and now we've got access to it. So. Can I assume when I am having a New Haven abiz that the ingredients are Italian in origin, that the tomato sauce has come from Italy, or is that... No, no way. Um, you can't assume that. In fact, you can request the, those that information, but the truth is, is that California produces most of the tomatoes that any pizzeria in America, you know, consumes. And there are a number of Italian restaurants and, and pizzerias, even in New Haven, that serve California uh, you know, specialized tomatoes. They're the San Marzano br- uh, brand or breed, but they're they're probably produced. A lot of them are produced in California. So, you know, you got to ask. You got to request that information. Do you know? I mean, you are the pizza expert. Do you know if an Abitz pizza today, if you got a tomato pie today, would it taste? Would it be the same as if I got it in 1910 in New Haven? Are they? Still making them the same way, same ingredients? Well, that's a good question. Um, I like the idea of things being, uh, you know, continuous in, in flavor and style. And I think the, the answer had to lie in asking people because the only you, you could read a description, but it may not tell you exactly what it tastes like today. Uh, when I when we've talked to people and I interviewed at the time when I interviewed him, Vinny Itro was 102 mm. and he grew up down the street from Pepe's and he remembered eating Pepe's as a kid in the 1920s and the family would literally get one of his pies and eat them as a family meal on a Friday. This is like eight kids sharing one pizza. So they'd all have a, a slice if they were lucky. That's a that's a yeah. meal at yeah. that time. Yeah. People yeah. didn't eat that much. And so and oh and by the way it was 5 cents for a pizza. 5 cents for for, for a pizza, pizza about wow. this big, not even a large. So he he claims that the pizza tastes like it is today. Um, you know, I talked to people, uh, a wonderful woman, uh, Chachi, we call her, which is Polish and, or excuse me, it's, uh, it's auntie in Polish. And her name is Helen Yutankis. She lives down the street from Modern. She's been coming or at least eating Modern since the 30s. And she says that it's, it tastes exactly the same after four that's different great. owners. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I think the, I think there's been a longevity of the ingredients. Okay. So that, well, that, you know, as a historian, it's nice to think that I might be getting the original taste from a century ago. That's pretty cool. I think so, too. And I think you have to remember, though, too, like mills change, um, flour changes. There's Monsanto. There's all sorts of different th- things happening. So I have to say that no matter what, we try to make things taste the same. But the ingredients themselves might be differing over the years. Sure. Oh, oh, oh here comes the Abitz. Wow. Look at that. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, we will. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Will. Um, so Will is actually one of the the sons, uh, uh, the, the owner's sons, and the whole family works here. Um, That's great. They treat they treat everybody like family, for better or for worse. Yes, yeah, stack it. We'll handle it. Um, can we get some more napkins? And can I get a um, just a a cup and some water in it? Can we bring you a pitcher of water for the table? Yeah, let's do that. And a birch. Yeah. I just got to show you. We are about to start working our way through this. Now, I'm getting the side here, and that, 
you know, New Havenites will think I am just the most naive person in the world, but this is new to me. And I'm seeing the char you're talking about is along the rim of the crust. It's, and this is, this is part of that New Haven experience. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I don't want to eat a pizza if it looks like it was undercooked. If it looks like it's still like beige, like this wall right here. Um, I don't want to eat a pizza that looks like that to me that that was done in an oven that that just kind of like toasted it, but it didn't quite finish it. Yeah. And a lot of New Haveners grew up with this understanding that this is the way that we want crust. We want it charred. It's got to have that crisp. There's a, a caramelization that happens yeah. with the sugars yeah. in the crust, literally the sugar from the flour itself. So that's the, that's the flavor that we're going for. I am so excited about this. Yeah, me too. So <laughs> you... If you would, you get to be the server because you are the you know what's going on. Tell us what to eat and when we're eating it, and I'll Betsy and I will keep peppering you with questions. Okay, all right, all right. So um, I like to start with the one that's not going to burn us the most. Uh, you you know, eating pizza is also this kind of thing when you get the pizza because it takes a little while. Maybe you've been waiting in line. Maybe you know there's a lot of people at the pizzeria, and the pizza takes you know. 40, 30 minutes after you sat down. So you're hungry. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes is don't go right at it. The pizza will literally fall apart in front of you. So it's, you, you've got to let it rest. Yep. Yeah. And cheese will burn your mouth at 175 degrees or more. Uh, so you got to be really careful. And I always I always instruct people to like do the hand, the test where you put your hand right above the pie. If it feels like it's going to burn your hand, it's probably going to burn your mouth. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost so seems how, like common sense, but a lot of people are just so hungry, you forget about reality. So while, while we're waiting for this to cool and while Walt is pouring his beverage, maybe we can talk about beverages for a moment. That'd be great. Um, does New Haven have any role in pizza and beer becoming a popular pairing? Oh, yeah. Um, so the interesting thing, and it, it also pairs with uh, Walt's last, uh, one of his last questions, because he's only had a couple questions. Um is, you know, when did the pizzeria become really popular in New Haven? And, and actually, the, the advent of the repeal of Prohibition was a major time when bakeries converted to pizzerias and restaurants opened in the height of the Great Depression. So this is May 10th, 1933. Connecticut law allowed uh, low-alcohol beer, near beer, they'd call it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody started thinking, hmm, I could have a restaurant. I could stay open till 3. Bakeries. So these are bakers who are now saying there's a big opportunity. Yeah, before they were just bakers. They couldn't actually say they were a restaurant. They couldn't serve beer at all, and they couldn't claim to be a restaurant. So in, in essence, they couldn't actually have seating in a bakery. What kind of bakery has seating? Today, it's fine. Back in the 30s, it wasn't cool. So we get the storefront pizzeria in the middle of the Great Depression. Correct. I think that's the, the big boom in New Haven was in the 1930s, starting around 1933, a lot of pizzerias opened. Modern opened in 1934. Uh, it started in the Hill neighborhood, and it was an idea. They sold, it was actually called, a, two different listings called it beverages. Another one called it pa- pastries, and another one called it a bakery. So you, depending on what you looked at, it was uh, a, a partnership between Tony Tolley, who was on the wall over here, and he was one of the, the originating founders, and a guy named um, Giuseppe Marzullo, who's whose uncle was a major early pastry maker in New Haven and, t- and taught totally how to make pastries. So 
they open up pizzerias, and is that what brings the Yankee crowd in because they can get beer and pizza? Or is... Well, it was the big door opener. So with beer allowed and the doors open to the public in, in Italian enclaves still, like Worcester Street and other neighborhoods. We had many Italian enclaves in New Haven. Uh, the, the advertising power of saying, come check out our abits, come to our pizzeria, they'd advertise in the Yale Daily News. First-time college students were ever recorded to be advertised in America to having pizza was that in the Yale Daily News in the 1930s, saying, "Come, come here, get our abits. It's good. It tastes like a cake. You know, they'll tell you what it tastes like." And and not just Italians were eating pizza. But this is really educating a new consumer group who haven't experienced pizzas or abits before, right? That's correct. This is an entirely new thing to them. It would have been uh, they would have been scared to do it if they hadn't had the opportunity to walk in and look at it and say, oh, maybe we should try that. So do you have any, uh, did you encounter any testimonials from people, these are newbies like me, people who come in and say, oh, well, we'll try this strange. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of my interviewees were, um, you know, German Americans, Finnish Americans, uh, Polish Americans, you name it, Irish Americans, and they grew up in New Haven. And they knew that this place was called something something abits and their father or somebody would bring it home one day and they'd said they tried it for the first time and they 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 were impressed with it they they knew other kids might have been eating it but that was their first time and then they said oh now i'm going to eat it all the time were they doing in these first pizzerias were they doing takeout as well as come in uh, yeah sit down yeah and the interesting thing about the takeout especially uh with some of these places where they had major orders from factories you know, I'm talking hundreds of pies having to go to factories. The uh, how did you get them there? You couldn't just stack them on a, a, a piece of cardboard and wrap it up in paper like the old school bakeries did. They actually invented this new pizza box, which the pizza box had never existed before. So the pizza box is a New Haven invention. As far as we can tell, the first recorded pizza boxes were were made for and by New Haveners. And they actually designed. The, uh, the design that we know as the pizza box, or, or did they, you know, they take a hat box and put... Actually, it's funny that you ask what, what kind of box, because with all these companies here, we had a very popular company. One of the largest uh, corset companies in the world was the Strauss-Adler Company here in New Haven. And the, there's a great story by uh, one of my interviewees, how in 1933, uh, the Mr. Uh, Fortunato Coco, his niece worked at... Uh, a a local the local factory in the box department boxing these corsets and she asked her boss if if they could make different size boxes four different sizes for his pizzeria and they did and it didn't work well because the paper was the wrong kind of paper mm -hmm. but soon after we have evidence that Strauss Adler certainly did make pizza boxes for many different companies so this is great the the New Haven invented pizza box began as a variant of a corset box yeah, and absolutely. then became something else. Now, I feel privileged to have special knowledge now. This is great. <laughs> so I feel like this is the one to start with yeah. right here. Um, this is the plain New Haven pie with uh, grated cheese and a little bit of garlic. Garlic was a very common uh, early topping because it just gave that much more flavor. It, it just a little bit more, you know, a little something, something. Um, so this pie, this pie is ready to eat. That's good. So am I. How about you, Betsy? <laughs> I'm always. All right. All right. I'm going to grab a slice. Is it up to me? I'm doing it. It is All up right. to you. All right. I'm taking it. I'm gently pulling it. This is, this is art. 
and I'm, uh, I'm folding it slightly just to give it a little bit more rigidity. Mm -hmm. um, and notice that nothing is falling off. That's, this is just a sauce pie, and it's hanging on because it wants to, wants to be eaten. <laughs> oh, that's how you do it, huh? It's kind of the lift and the... Yeah, depending on what's happening with the pizza, my mouth will find its way to it. <laughs> That's great. My daughter yeah. learned that lesson the hard way, where you don't pull the slice too soon, because then all your cheese comes off, and the kid just goes, "Aww." Yeah, yeah. Kids, you know, kids are fast learners, right? <laughs> okay. Now, Betsy, you do. You, oh, now you have a different technique. You fold, and then I do. That's good. Okay, she had cool. a superior fold, I have to say. That was, was a good, good fold. Well, <laughs> I now I'm going to stop taking video, and I'm you need going to. Eat to some of yeah. So. Would you please? That'd be great. There you go. So, I'm glad this is your first time. Yeah, this is a I'm good, excited. This is good. It's good to try the um, the plain first. It really is the and this the is flavor. the authentic. This is the this is what New Haveners were eating back in the day. I mean, tomato before. pie. And would they have it with garlic then? Do you think, or was it? It was probably a very common option. Okay, so I want to bend a little. Uh, so you can use a finger for support if you need to. Yeah, you can tell I'm a newbie, right? No, I would never say that. Of course you wouldn't, because you're a nice person, but... I wouldn't say that either. I'm <laughs> well, other people have, so... Oh, thank you. You may be wrong. All right, so while we keep eating, and I, you know, I apologize to listeners who... If you're hungry, you've just got to get down in the car and get in line. Come on down to New Haven. So when they opened the pizzerias and they're serving beer, did the floodgates open and everybody embraced pizza? Was it... So from the Depression on, is pizza an American food, or how did yeah. this happen? Interestingly, um, a lot of, I mean, as I studied pizzerias opening throughout the country, because I didn't just focus on New Haven, mm -hmm. I was noticing trends um, in, in bigger cities, but not in the same capacity as in New Haven. For example, I mean, New York City, it, it had the largest Italian population. There were pizzerias there going back um, into the 19, er, early 1900s and late 1800s, but it doesn't appear that there was any particular um, boom from the the sort of repeal of prohibition at that time. It seemed like there was a steady increase over the years there. What we do notice is in the 1940s, um, a lot of Connecticut cities and, and industrial cities, like in Pennsylvania, where they were mining um, and there was a large Italian population, that a lot of pizzerias opened uh, opened up and called themselves pizzerias at that time. Maybe prior they were bakeries, and they in the 40s it really caught on. Now, During, did, that, did that have anything to do with the war? It it did not appear to be. It mm -hmm. it meant it seemed to me that it was more about people accepting the Italian food, um, and and saying, hey, we can call it pizza. We can call it, you know, a pizzeria mm -hmm. rather than saying, hey, let's just make like this is a bakery. And coming out of the Great Depression, I think also more opportunities were arising for people to to start their own businesses and you know take some of the money that they may have made somewhere and, and say, hey, I want to open this enterprise. But in New Haven, they don't jump on to this trend in the way of saying now we're pizzerias. They're still abits, right? They're, they're well, they're pizzerias, but they're making abits. So mm. a lot of the names are going to be called abits. It's like Johnny's abits or Vinny's abits. You know, they, they, a lot of the places call themselves that. And part of it is just because that was the tra tradition. Um, you would say it was my style of the pizza. Mm -hmm. I interestingly, in Hartford, which had a, uh, a sizable Italian population specifically located on Front Street yep. underneath I-91, 
there were about five or six pizzerias in one or two blocks there mm. at one time that people don't even think that was like a little pizza row. But uh, they called it, they actually spelled it differently. They spelled it La Pizza. They would say like uh, De Pasquale serving La Pizza. Were they from a different region? Did they? No, they were from the same region. They just sort of changed their way of, of spelling it, making it more of, of the Italian. And part of that is because there might have been other Italians there that spoke the different, uh, you know, Florentian Italian or yeah. Northern Italian. Yeah. And therefore they wanted to they appeal wanted to, to them. They wanted to appeal to the broader Italian market. Yeah. And By it, the way, this pizza is stunning. It's I like to wonderful. hear it. And it actually does have a different flavor. It, it, it tastes just like pizza. But, but better. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> actually, mm-hmm. it is. This is the pizza you would drive to New Haven to get. Mm-hmm. By the way, I just heard that Ron Howard came to New Haven to go to, uh, maybe it was Frank Pepe's. It, it was, recently. it was. I actually, um, I got a, <clears throat> I got a text from Gorman Bachard, the director of Pizza Love Story and many other fabulous films, and a, a friend and a colleague. And he said, look, I, Ron Howard's coming tomorrow. Can you help get him into Pepe's? So I actually sent an email to the, to the managers and owner of Pepe's. They said, okay. And I, neither of us could show up. But believe it or not, I helped that happen. That's great. Well done. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Was, now, was that, uh, was that his first time? Was he a newbie like me? That's a good question. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. Apparently, mm-hmm. his friend Henry Winkler, uh, who's mm-hmm. also a New Haven pizza fan, uh, suggested that he try Pepe's on his way through town. And the randomest thing happened. My, Tuesday, that was Tuesday. Tuesday was my day off mm-hmm. this week. Um, I was watching movies all day. Just so happened, randomly, I was watching Willow. In earlier in the day, Ron Howard movie, and later in the day, I watched a totally different movie called The Dilemma, another Ron Howard movie. It Amazing. Was, it was almost like it was meant to be. There you go. And then the phone rings, and can you help me get a booth for Ron Howard? And- Amazing. And he's not the first celebrity visitor to any of the New Haven pizzerias no. either. And no. kind of historically speaking, I think some of the major so does- New Haven pizzerias kind of got a profile boost from from celebrity visits. Connecticut certainly know that New Haven is the pizza town. Is is that true across the country? Hold on one sec. Just like really good crust in my mouth right now and it needs Uh, time. You know, just eat into the microphone. People need to hear how good this is. (laughs) I'm going to slobber into the microphone. Don't be shy and don't short my mic out. Um, yeah, no, I mean, New Haven. New Haven's sort of history of becoming famous with pizza mm-hmm. was a lot to do with these stars. Um, Sally Consiglio, Salvatore Consiglio, was Frank Pepe's nephew. His brother, Tony. And that's Sally's pizza. That's Sally's Abit. And that's one of the Sally's Abit. I'm trying to acculturate myself. I'll do the best I can. Sally's Abit, this was a star magnet, right? Yeah, well, what happened was Tony, the brother, <laughs> became best friends with Frank Sinatra, well, that would help. Yeah, and and then all these other musicians, and they started coming to New Haven. And Sinatra helped uh, JFK campaign, so JFK came to New Haven in 1959 and came to Sally's. And so a lot of this like clout and this like this sort of love and passion for New Haven also was helped by famous people coming here and having shows here and demanding New Haven pizza. Well, it seems like there's kind of a tradition now that politicians coming through New Haven come to one of the yeah. Trinity, right? Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. like Ronald Reagan made it a huge campaign stop in, I think it was 1981. Um, um, Walter Mondale had a big stop here and 
went to Pepe's. They both went to Pepe's. Uh, Bill and Hillary, who dated at Yale Law School, uh, actually would date and go to Sally's and Pepe's and lots of fun stories about how Do you have Sally, any idea of, did they both agree on which one of the Trinity was the best? They, they? Well, they were most likely Sally's fans originally, and they had their first campaign party at Sally's, and then during re-election, uh, there was this whole debacle where they couldn't get into Sally's, <laughs> and so they had to go to Pepe's and Abate's, which is right next to Pepe's, and so there, it's funny how, like, you know, the street wins no matter what. They'll get yeah. their pizza. It's just... You get you got to play with the rules here. That's, that's and, and great. The pizzas, the pizzerias really don't care who you are. You know, they they really care about family and and like friends. I mean, they don't care if you're a politician, but they a lot of them these days they they will. They'll help. They'll go out of their way, and you know they'll you know the Secret Service tells you to do something, you probably should do it. But yeah, I heard somewhere, and maybe it's for modern abits that there are two phone numbers. There's the phone number that everyone calls to place their order, and then there's the number for people who have the number. So that was the, the old Sally's uh, tradition, was that there was two numbers, and one number is like you never get through, and then the other number is special, goes right to uh, you know Sally's widow's phone yeah. and flow, and you'd, she'd be like, give you a seat if you got it. You know, A lot of yeah. people had that number. At the same time, it didn't even matter. Um, because sometimes you know they'd be like, "How did you get this number?" You know, and they'd they'd be like, "Who are, who, who the who, who, who the heck are you?" Are? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's those fun traditions about how to get in front of line. Really, the the truth is, is that if you the reservation system kind of it rarely works. It sometimes works for friends and family, and that's it. And you know, the popularity of pizza has has you know more than quadrupled in the last twenty years. Yeah. And this is so if you're going back to when the stars were finding this in the, say, 20s, 30s and 40s, you know, that was just the beginning of New Haven's clout as being a new, of a pizza town. And as pizza became popular in the rest of the country after World War II, helping with the advent of the gas oven and the popularity through news articles in the early 50s about having a pizza party or making your own pizza at home with Thomas's English muffins or whatever you wanted. So, so was there a sort of national pizza PR organization that was driving this? this um... no, no, you know, not really. It was, it, it, more than anything, it was the discovery of ethnic foods like that, that pizza, you're having a mozzarella pie. I just saw your well, face. Oh, my God, this is good. Yeah, that was a fun face to see. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Sorry. Describe it though. It is chewy. It is uh, cheesy. It's salty. It's awesome. It's got just yeah. the right kind of oil. It's not too oily, but it's, got, it's right on. I, I can't talk anymore. I got to eat. You're one of us now. Mm. <laughs> Our beats. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Now. This is the truth. At this point in our podcast, a disaster happened. We experienced a technical malfunction that halted the recording in its tracks. So for now, we'll leave the New Haven pizza story right where it is. But just in case you want to hear about New Haven pizza from the 1960s on, I made a deal with Colin and Betsy. If 100 listeners write me at walt at yukon.edu and just say, more pizza, I'll make the supreme sacrifice of coming down to New Haven again to meet with Colin and Betsy for a wrap-up lunch podcast. 
Just write more pizza and send it to Walt at Yukon.edu. And by the way, if a hundred of you do write, one of you chosen at random will be invited to join in that podcast and of course have pizza on me. So send us a note. Write more pizza to Walt at Yukon.edu. Thanks for listening. We wish to thank Colin M. Kaplan, Will and Adam at Modern Abits, and Betsy Kellum Golden. For more great Connecticut history podcasts, subscribe to Grading the Nutmeg on your favorite podcast app or at gradingthenutmeg.libsyn.com. And for more great Connecticut history stories, subscribe to Connecticut Explored at ctexplored.org. This is state historian Walt Woodward, hoping you'll join us next time for another Grading the Nutmeg.